Hello and welcome to the debut, Jake, of the Draft Digest show, formerly known as Panhandles. If you're listening to this for the first time, welcome. My name's Derek. That's Jake Kerr, sitting across from me, handsome as ever. Thank you. This will be our first show. We were formerly known as Panhandles Podcast. We were an Oklahoma-based podcast. Yep. Still here, still repping. Uh, we covered the Thunder, the NBA as a whole, the draft. And we decided to get a little more niche and just go the draft route. Uh, backstory on me, I am a writer and publisher for Draft Digest and InsideTheThunder.com. I'm a Thunder beat writer. I cover the draft currently. Jake, you want to tell them about yourself? Yeah, I've coached basketball for the last like five years. Um, train kids, work out different kids in the high school level. Um, I write a little bit on a Substack, the little fundamental, something fun to do in the evenings. Um, my wife likes it because I don't annoy her with basketball stuff. Um, and yeah, Derek's kind of you know take me under his wing, get me involved in the podcast game a little bit. So this is exciting. Love the draft. Um, it's kind of the one thing that you can have. Um, an opinion about that doesn't matter how like credible you are, which is fun. Right, which is what we're going to be doing, and that's exactly. just throwing our absolute exactly. garbage takes out there into the ether. Um, <laughs> just a little fair warning, mm. I'm a little under the weather. I am hopped up on various types of soups, medicines, uh, and a whole lot of H2O. Without further ado, wouldn't be a draft pod mm. uh, if we didn't give our overall thoughts on the class as a whole 2023 right now. Jake, you and I have... I would say closely followed the draft for a while now. You yeah. much longer than me. I've followed pretty heavily since about 2020. Mm. Uh, you much before that. How does this draft, do you think, not compare to those, but but overall comparatively, how do you yeah. feel about it right now? Obviously, there's a lot of hype, right? We right. have two, I mean, there could be multiple generational prospects. Victor Wimbanyama is probably the greatest prospect we've ever seen. Um Definitely the most polarizing extreme player we've ever seen. Right. Scoot Henderson, if Wimbanyama ceased to exist, then Scoot Henderson would be one of the best prospects we've ever seen. And honestly, at his height, one of the most polarizing, I would say, too. Yeah. And then you have guys like the Thompson Twins, who could very well be two of the best 20 players in the NBA at some point. Like, there's there's a lot of hype around this. And I was a little bit, um, I, I question if it would live up to the hype especially as we got into the college season, some of those big high school prospects, we've seen them, um, their production kind of be muted at the college level. Some everyone's played really well. Mm -hmm. And more guys, I think have taken a step forward than guys have taken a step back, which means it's really crowded. And you and I have talked about that a lot. The lottery, there's 18 guys that could go in the lottery. Like, and there's not a drop off outside of the top four or five. Um, there's a lot of guys in that six to 14 range that are really freaking good. Um, I think there's a lot of players in this draft similar to the 21 class that can play pretty quickly in the NBA. There's guys that have defined roles, a lot of really high-level defenders, guys that can really shoot, some some really good guard play. Like These are guys that I think will start out getting a lot more playing time maybe than this current class that we're watching. So I'm really excited. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, everyone knows the big names, but there's some guys, I mean, that are going to slip to the back half of the first round that are really, really good players. So it's, it's exciting. You talk about crowded and you mentioned numbers there. There's 20 guys that could be vying for lottery spots right now. Totally. There's 45 guys that could be vying for first round selections it's right crazy. now. There's 80 guys that could be vying to get drafted at all. So mm. initially 
I wasn't too fond of it. But like you said, there's been so many guys forward than back. Like even the Dariq Whiteheads and mm. the Kalel Wares, they're they're kind of getting into their mix and they're totally. they're revamping that stock again. So with the emergence of guys like Taylor Hendricks, Bryce Sensabaugh, Jet Howard, in addition to those big names we talked about, and then <laughs> late first, like Alabama's Noah Clowney, Ryan Rupert, international mm. prospect, Trayvon Brazil, like it's just going to be really fun to try and piece it all together because it could get crazy. I mean, last year we saw Jalen Williams go from second round. He had his stellar combine performances mm. and he jumped all the way up to number 12. So there could be a lot of that in this draft, especially with just some of the archetypes that we're seeing. So I'm really excited, really excited for the 2023 draft. We are going to jump into our first segment of the Draft Digest show. One deep dive. And this is where we are going to break down prospects, me and Jake are going to dive into a ton of film throughout the week on one person. And when we get here, we're going to break them down. And this week, we're excited to bring you Keonte George of Baylor, six foot four, 185 pound freshman from Baylor. He's averaging 16.8 points, four and a half rebounds, three and a half assists on 38% field goal percentage, eh, 34% three point percentage. He's shooting 83% from the line. And he's really freaking good, Jake. Yeah, he is. Um, Overall profile, smooth scoring combo guard. He's well-built, finishes really well through contact. He's an advanced ball handler, not exceptionally athletic, quick, or fast, but he's really, really crafty. Uh, he can play on or off ball as a combo guard. He's a pesky defender. He's a pick-and-roll threat, highly recruited, played for IMG in high school alongside guys like Jet Howard, Jarris Walker, and more. And he chose Baylor, who, despite not being as good as we thought they were this year, Seems noteworthy purely based off the system and the fact that he probably could have got his a lot more somewhere else. Uh, he was my third rated prospect coming into the season. He has not lived up to those expectations, but in that same breath, he I think he's only improved in areas that I thought mm -hmm. he might not be at yet. So let's start with the good. Give me your breakdown of Keontae, what you watched this week and what you liked from him. First and foremost, he's a scorer. Mm -hmm. He looks so natural with the ball in his hands. Um, and that's a crowded backcourt, Baylor. LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, and he has the ball the majority of the time, especially down the stretch of games. He's supernatural at the rock. Um, he he can score at all three levels. That is so overused. He gets to the rim well. He can really play in transition. He's a nice mid-range scorer. I like, I like how he comes off screens, really likes to get to a spot, and he can shoot from the outside. None of that's overly efficient, like you kind of pointed out, mm -hmm. but it's hard for freshmen to be efficient. I mean, I think that's the, you know, sole area that almost all freshmen, especially scoring freshmen, struggle in at first. Um, and so that doesn't surprise me and that doesn't scare me. But I like the first thing that pops off the page is the scoring ability. Um, he's got, and we, you and I have talked about this, he's got this like swagger, confidence, um, and his movement just looks like a pro. Those dudes in the NBA who can just go get buckets, like he moves like them. He has those tendencies. He does those things. And so that's the first thing that pops off the page is his ability to score. He is an innate scorer of the basketball. I mean, like even from the time when you and me watched him at IMG, mm -hmm. he just immediately jumped out as almost the Jaden Hardy in the pre-draft exactly. hype. Like just, he, he just has these unteachable things that, that some guys just aren't going to have. They're just not going to have that. So you're absolutely right. Wicked smooth shot, ridiculously coordinated. I watched three full games back-to-back -to -back today. One thing that stood out to me is that he's constantly jittery. And not in a bad way. He just he keeps himself moving constantly, mm -hmm. both ends of the court. Exactly. He's 
one of the only times I saw him stop was to lull a defender to sleep, to fake him out and go get himself an open three. Constantly moving. Super I, active, man. I think, to my next point, his activity mm. is absolutely my favorite thing about him. Like, I could sit here and I could make this a case about certain NBA scoring guards who I would think would be much better with that activity. <laughs> I'm not going to call those guys out, but it's just such a big thing for me personally to have that care factor on the defensive end. Constantly want the ball, constantly be looking to find yourself in a good situation on the offense. His activity, his, his physicality is just something that I don't think a lot of these score first guards bring to the table too often. So for him to do that, I think is huge. It, it separates them. I mean, there's, there's dudes, when you're talking about the f- top three or four guards in a draft class, especially a good one like this with tons of good guards, the, the ways in which they score is similar. Their talent's going to be similar, but that pace they play with, the activity they play with, the willingness to be off ball, you know, come off screens, run the whole game. Those things can separate Keontae George. And I agree with you, man. He does that and he does it defensively. And that's what I want to talk about next. Like, I think he's a good defender. I don't think he's just passable. Like, I think you play him, you can play him on an NBA court from day one because of his scoring. And you can keep him on because he's going to be a plus defender. He takes charges. He's in the right spot. He doesn't gamble too often. And he's always active. Like, the IQ that he has on offense. And you talked about just how how sound he is, and and he knows what he's doing, and he doesn't get sped up. I see the same on defense, and I think that's something that's overlooked that's going to separate him from other guard prospects. I don't 100% agree. Sure. I don't think he is a day one plus defender in the NBA. I think that's hard to do for almost anyone, mm. especially as a guy who, like him, is probably going to be a starter coming in, if not like the first sure. guy off the bench depending on where he lands. I don't think he's a plus defender yet, but to my earlier point, big time care factor on that end, to all of your points, stays active, has good basketball IQ. All of those things are at the minimum going to make him a wash defensively, I think. But in that same vein, I think he has a long way to go. And another area I think he has a long way to go is his playmaking. He, his heart's in the right place constantly. I mean, on, on the basketball court, Anything he's doing, he is doing to win the basketball game, totally. get points for his team, help Baylor succeed. I think that's going to be the case anywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. His body language, just everything about him screams that he cares Winner. to me. Yeah. And that's such an underrated thing in the draft, I feel. is like I don't want to sit here and talk about guys that don't care, but there's some guys just have more of that than others, and I think it's big, especially in my eyes. Anyway, playmaking-wise and defensively, I think he has a long way to go. Like I said, his heart's in the right place, but he just doesn't have it yet. Um, He has improved in both those areas drastically. I think he's gotten way, way better from the time we've seen his IMG tape to Baylor. Um, I think his decision-making needs to tighten up a little bit, especially as the lead handler. Um, Like you said, he's the guy for Baylor right now. Totally. He's the guy who's going to go get you a bucket. He's going to be the guy to make the play. But they haven't been as good this year as we thought. I mean, and I'm not I'm not putting that on him. Yeah. Baylor could easily be, I in my opinion, they could be one of the best teams in the country. Let him be their third option on offense and like go in a lot of games. But Coach Drew, like, he he wants to develop George and he has the ball in his hands and he's willing to let him make mistakes and work through things. I I value that. I like the wins and losses I think are balanced are are balanced out by the fact that like 
he's letting a freshman go do his thing. It's going to work out. Like he has a chance to lead Baylor. Like their final four good still. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, they, can, they can win the big 12. Yeah. And if it's that, if that's done on the back of Keontae George, we're going to be talking about him at three. I, I think we get back to that eventually. I hope so, man. <laughs> I, um, here's a question for you. Tell me what you think about this. I don't want to label him and kind of throw him in a box with this. He reminds me a lot of that Tyler hero, Tyrese Maxey, Jordan Poole, Simons type mm-hmm. crafty moves a lot. Good on and off ball. He's a little bit bigger. I think as a freshman than those guys, like his body just looks a little more mature. He's definitely a more willing defender. Um, and one thing that not all those guys have is that what you talked about, he plays hard 100% of the time. When we see Poole not doing that in the NBA, that's something Tyler Hero has been knocked for. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? Like, do you think he's that kind of guy? Um, what do you think? The first thing that jumps out to me among those names is the fact that they can all play with lead guards, which is like what I feel Keontae George is going to do. Mm. Poole can play next to Curry. Mm. Simons can play next to Lillard. Hero can play with Jimmy, who's got the ball a lot. Yeah. All those guys can succeed with a point guard, and I think that's absolutely going to be the key to unlocking George's initial initial success. He's not a day-one NBA point guard. He's not. No. He, he's not the best point guard in the Big 12 right now, probably. He might be better, too, than he is one. I mean... Exactly. I think a simplified combo guard role early is good for him mm-hmm. as he blossoms into kind of the guys that you're talking about here, which is how a lot of them got their start. Totally. I mean, Poole didn't start out as a day one contributor. No. Simons wasn't either. Like I like those comparisons. I think he is as fluid offensively as any of those guys. I, I like the energy and the activity defensively more than those guys. Mm. And I like his ceiling a little bit more than those guys. I, I just think he's a mix of Poole and Maxi. I really see it. Like, you know, when Poole goes on the streaks where it's just, these crafty, crazy moves, tight handle, nice passes, like just does things that's like, holy, like no one else is doing that on the court. Stuff we weren't expecting. There's times George does that right now at Baylor. 100%. And then kind of the tough bulldog mentality, like going to play hard for all four quarters, going to do what it takes to win, going to sacrifice his body. Like Maxie's unbelievably skilled, but he also does that. And like, I just think that, you know, if they had a child, I really think it's Keontae George. Lots of good things. Tons of good things. Tons. Over a few bad. Mm. Uh, he has not been efficient this year. Does that worry you? No. It doesn't worry me. Um, it would put me over the edge if he was efficient and putting up those numbers and Baylor was, you know, a top 25 team. That's why I had him three. If he was any more efficient, <laughs> oh, I think we'd stay. be looking at the number three pick. Yeah. I really do. Um, but dudes struggle with inefficiency in, in college, especially score first guards. I mean, we, we see that all the time. He's got, I, I was looking at this earlier, true shooting percentage is higher than both Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Maxey in their freshman year when they went to the draft. Right. It's at, I believe his is at 54%. Um, percent. And Maxey's in, um, in uh, Edwards was like 50 even. And so we believed in Edwards enough. He had a little more athletic ability than George. Went ahead and took him. Maxey's a guy who didn't go top five necessarily, but we knew his role was going to be score. Right. Combo guard playing off a lead guard. George is a better version of that and more efficient as a freshman. And so it doesn't worry me. Um, and I think he could struggle with inefficiency to start to start his uh, playing career, especially if he's put on a team where he's the lead guard off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't worry me. 
I'd like It'd be a nice to, little cherry on top. I'd like huh? to see it improve, um, and I think it will. Okay, good stuff. Uh, does second, it wor- wait? Does it worry you? No, it doesn't. Same thoughts as me. Same exact thoughts. Uh, he's a freshman. He's yeah. 19 years old, doing this on one of the biggest stages. Again, the fact <laughs> that he chose that system and chose to improve upon things instead of going to get his and averaging 22 points on 35% shooting somewhere totally. else, I think speaks volumes to his character, mm-hmm. his work ethic, his ability to get better. And the toughest conference in basketball. Oh. It's known <laughs> Far and away. Dude, it's going to be brutal. We could talk about the Big 12 for, <laughs> for basically forever. Yeah. Uh, other knocks, not overly athletic like we've talked about. Not quick, bursty. It's a little glaring at times. But I, I think, think we've seen – I do. His first step's good. He's not slow by any means, but that stuff catches up with you big time when you get to the NBA. I, I don't think it'll kill him offensively. I really, I think he's just crafty enough and good enough and smooth enough to where, similar to his efficiency, would be a nice little cherry on top if he did that. But man, if he was a, as athletic as, I mean, shoot, Ant. I mean, I guess Ant's pretty dang good athlete. <laughs> if he was more athletic, I think we'd be easily putting him at 30. Yep. And so it's not a I mean, it's not- basically Scoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's basically Scoot that's two inches taller. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I, I get that. Um, like I said, I think it catches up to you a little more once you get to the NBA, but like you talked about, nothing's gonna kill him offensively. Like he is simply he could only shoot spot up threes and open shots for the rest of his NBA career, and he'd be good. Like I'd take him pretty high in this draft. He'll be able to like you said, use that craftiness and he's he, going to be fine. He could be Desmond Bain. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Easily. Does, does we talked about inefficiency. Do you think he takes bad shots? He takes tough shots for sure. He's a tough shot maker. Is it bad? Is he a ball stopper? Does it look bad ever? I wouldn't say bad. There's certainly flashes as with any prospect where it's like, mm, maybe should have saved that one. Maybe should have made the extra pass for the most part. It's pretty good. He's got the green light too. Right. Totally. For a guy with a green light to be taking the shots he is, pretty dang good. I think his shot diet can stand to improve. Mm. But again, 19-year-old freshman, one of the top teams in the country. That stuff works itself out. You know, like, Completely. The, the way we're talking about him right now, it's like his 15th game. <laughs> He's 15 games into his career. All this stuff could be worked out by the end of the season. You know, mm. So it's early. Uh, that's basically all the knocks that I have. Like... Not a hyper athlete, maybe take better shots, keep improving defensively and as a playmaker. That's that's a pretty short and decent list. I think this is a pretty specific knock. And it goes with your like kind of like athletic just burst a little bit that you were knocking him for. High ball screens in the NBA are golden. Right. That, that's all the NBA is, is one moving high ball screen. And they switch a ton in the NBA. Almost, almost everyone's drafting bigs that can switch, right? When I watch him in college and they switch ball screens, he he takes more tough shots against bigs than he does against guards. And I think that's an area that he could be off-balling to start his NBA career, and he needs to improve to be able to be that ball handler. Because if you can't get by slower smaller college bigs, I think it's going to be really, really tough at the next level, even with less spacing. And so I'd like to see an improvement in that area. That's a good point, especially for him as, like we talked about, not a guy who's super athletic. You're not going to be, like, he can play above the rim. He doesn't a lot. And he so. doesn't have the passing, 
court vision that a Cade has that has similar athleticism, or I mean, Luca's in his own realm, or Lamelo Ball even. But it's like he's got to be a little bit quicker or become a better passer. Let's go projected outlook mm. and draft range. Right now, I have him in the five to nine range. Mm. I know you're a little different than me. Uh, in the least, I see him as a natural longtime NBA scorer, like we've talked about, who will eventually be able to provide some of that playmaking that we've talked about. Uh, I think he can get to plus defender territory. I do, just based on the effort, if he can keep that effort and activity up. Again, day one, I don't see it. I don't personally see him as a lead guard in the NBA. Like you talked about, I see him as that secondary, great secondary guard who can provide that playmaking, but doesn't necessarily have to do it all the time. I think a simplified role early on, taking open threes, dribbling when he has to, creating his own shot when he has to, but not necessarily relying on it due to maybe others having the ball would be great, great for him. And there are, I believe, some teams like that in his projected range that could get him. Totally. I, I said 4-12, to 12, just a bigger version of what you said pretty much. I think Amon Thompson right now is kind of the third dude. I think he's kind of solidified himself there. And shoot, his brother might be fourth right now. I could see Keontae passing one of them to get to four, um, especially if Baylor wins some games and he's the dude. Um, and then, man, there's like there's teams that could have that are going to have lottery spots probably. Like Detroit doesn't need a guard. Houston, I'd love for them to get a new guard. I don't think they're going to take another ball-stopping guard. Oklahoma City, Portland, like they're not going to draft a guard in, in in their lottery picks. So there's a chance I could see him moving fit-wise 8, 10, 12-ish area. I don't see that happening. Just like I probably don't see him going for, but I think the the range could be wide due to fit. And then and then honestly, um honestly, I could see I I could see teams trading up for him that need a guard like a Miami like, a, like, a, like you've talked a little bit about Toronto. Like if they like them and they think they can get them at eight, move some veteran pieces, get them at eight. I could see that happening. You make a good point. He's not quite the guy that like we have. And we'll, we'll talk about this more as the, the show goes on. Um, and men is nearly locked into three. Azar is like, like we can, we can start locking some of these guys into the, no matter who's there, he'll be going there. Cause he's, he's not, he's yeah. that gravitational. And that, that kind of falls into the fact that I don't think he's a lead guard. He's not a gravitational pick that's locked into five or six. Like you said, depending on team and fit, he could slide to eight or someone could jump up to him at six. Totally. That's absolutely the case. That doesn't mean he's not a really, really quality guy that, again, to your point, someone will want to go get. That's a great point. Um, as far as specific fits, hmm. I personally like Orlando the most. They have... <laughs> Not necessarily a lead guard. They do have Jalen Suggs, who remains to be seen what's happening there. Marco Fultz has been awesome. Fultz is good. By the way. Cole Anthony's fine. I like George next to Fultz. Yeah, that's fun. They have some lead guards. I'm more thinking in terms of playing off of their wings, who can also handle, pass, do it all. I think Keontae in the backcourt alongside Bancaro hmm. and Wagner in the frontcourt is really, really fun. Just everyone can handle everyone give you 20. Right. <laughs> I don't necessarily watch a lot, a lot of Magic Basketball. I don't mm -hmm. know if they need a score for a shooting guard. It just seems really fun to add to that team, personally. He, he's not going to take the ball out of Bencaro's hands or right. Wagner's. Those guys can create for him. He, at times, like we've talked about, can create for them. Like I love that. Really fun team. And, and one thing that Orlando does that's funky, they'll run pick and rolls with anyone. 
mm-hmm. as the ball handler and anyone is the screener. A fluid offense like that, willing to kind of explore, I think he's fun. I agree with that. Uh, another spot, I said maybe a nice Gary Trent Jr. replacement mm. if Toronto goes in a different way. Younger version. <laughs> right. Gary Trent Jr., another guy who can play off lead guards, can shoot it, can do a little That's bit of good. everything offensively. Mm. And it looks like if Toronto is going to go a different direction, he's going to be the first to go. If they go a different direction and they still don't get better, they're going to be in that Keontae range, I think. Hmm. I think his floor in this draft is probably 12. Oh, yeah. Toronto could be sitting around there. Totally. Um, so I like him in Toronto, too. There's a few others, none quite that jump out as much uh, to me as them. But anybody that has a, a lead handler of the ball, which most NBA teams do, if they're not a dumpster fire, uh, would be a good fit for him, I think. I agree with all those. The only two I want to talk about, Sacramento and Chicago. Sacramento is probably not going to be there. Um, they're overachieving probably a little bit right now. Is the fifth spot in the West. They could get 15, 16, and if they want a guard to pair next to De'Aaron Fox, I like Keontae George a lot. Um, De'Aaron Fox is a slasher, obviously, only averages shooting like a three a game or maybe two threes a game. So he's got ones to get downhill. They run a lot of PNR Sabonis. I like George off-ball there, and I like George being able to play um, a fast-paced game like the Kings play. That's fun. Chicago is kind of like my Toronto for you, a team that could win games this year, but what good does that do? But why? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I like Toronto's future better than Chicago's just because they're a little bit younger. Um, a little I, more direction, too, for one. That's its own tangent. But. Right. Um, and so if if Chicago thinks Keontae's a guy that they can build around, at least in the backcourt, I think they could take him. If they think that they're going to roll with this Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan thing until you know the wheels fall off, then... Maybe they take George as a scoring as, as a young scoring option. I think there's I think there's opportunities there. I like the teams you named a lot though. All right. Next segment, NBA rookie ladder. We do one every single week mm. up on Draft Digest. You can buy it at si.com slash draft digest. We rank the 10 best rookies in the NBA. So not only are we covering the upcoming class, maybe even some preps prospects that we'll get to in a little bit, but we also cover through their first year in the league. And this year's had some good ones. So yeah. Jake, I'm going to, I did this story. I ranked the 10, did all the stats, all the everything. I do it every week. I'm going to give you my 10. I just want to see if you moderately agree with it, okay. heavily disagree with it. Number one, Paolo Bencaro, no surprise here. Mm-hmm. Orlando Magic. Two, Benedict Matherin. Mm-hmm. Three, Jaden Ivey. Mm-hmm. Four, Keegan Murray. Five, first spot that I feel there's really any... Uh, Differential between minds. Jalen Williams, Oklahoma City at five. Jabari Smith Jr., six. Jalen Dern, seven. AJ Griffin, eight. Jeremy Sohan, nine. And seal the draft, Andrew Nemhard, number 10. <laughs> My pick for all rookie second team. I like those. I think there's a couple other guys that could slide in there. Absolutely. Did you say Walker Kessler? I had him on last week. Could, I mean, could be in there. Had him, I think, at nine last week. Uh, didn't have a great week, but again, he's been really good at shooting like 70% from the field or yeah. something silly. Tari Eason's in there when he's playing. Um, but no, I think I think that's a good list. Um, there's more guys playing like a specific role than I thought there'd be, which I like. There's rookies on the court a lot, which is great. I think we talked a little bit. The class had a bunch of great role players. Totally. And we talked about this on Panhandles. Mm-hmm. We didn't think it had a lot of star power. Now, two people specifically have really... Really carried the star power load. What do you think of just the class overall? You know, we talked about the huge, huge expectations that 2021 <laughs> rookies set for themselves. 
2022 kind of doing that too? Um, I think a guy like Matherin might be, or Ivy. Bancaro's the dude. I mean, he's good. <laughs> like, he's really good. What stops him? Like, there's, there's no sophomore yeah. slump for a guy like Bancaro. No, there's not. And then Chet's coming back. He's really good. I think guys like Jalen Williams, Jabari Smith Jr., Jalen Duran, Sohan, those are guys that are playing really well right now that I think will continue to improve. I can see Matherin and Ivy kind of maxing out a little bit earlier than some of those other guys. But no, I, I think it's a great class sandwiched between two of the most hyped up classes in a long time. They're good. They're holding their own. They, they are. They're, they're doing a good job. Um, I like it a lot. All right. You've got the next segment. Take it away, Kerr. Cool. All right. We're going to get in to some current seniors in high school. So guys graduating in 2023, draft eligible 2024. Booyah. This segment's called Who's Got Next? Derek, you want to know who's got next? I want to know. Hit me. Amani Hansberry out of Mount St. Joseph High School in Baltimore, Maryland, number one ranked player in Maryland, 50 in the nation on 24-7 sports, 62 on ESPN, and 118 on Rivals. Pretty big range there. He played for Team Durant in the EYBL, averaging a team high, 13 points, six rebounds, two assists, two blocks, a steal, and two fouls per game. For Team Durant in the, EY, in the EYBL. He's 6'9", 240. Plays wow. the five right now. I think he'll be a tweener, four and five guy. I'll be curious to see what happens there. That's obviously going to be a big swinger for his right. stock. I'll tell you a little bit about him. Great footwork. Phenomenal footwork on both ends. Like, doesn't look clumsy, and he's big bodied. Really soft touch. Uses his body extremely well most specifically on the offensive glass, really finds position, doesn't like guys around him. He, like he protects the rim as an offensive rebounder. It's impressive. He has a really nice handle, specifically in transition. That's where he's most comfortable kind of playing with the ball in his hands. When he's in the half court, a little bit more back to the basket, face up from 15 feet, nothing crazy as a creator. But in transition, full court game, he can handle the ball. Underrated rim protector. Um, doesn't have like, crazy like bounce house elevation necessarily but can get up protects the rim and he does so without fouling which i absolutely love um he's disciplined great free throw shooter like 88 percent good from the line over the uibl season um like i said most comfortable around the rim at times gets away with being bigger and stronger than guys um but he has enough touch that i'm not really worried about that some areas i want to see improvement on is a screener there's times this dude screens and stands, screens and pops when he knows he's probably, you know, got a better option of rolling. Um, and then sometimes he screens, gets the ball, and kind of fumbles it a little bit. He's st- like, there's room to improve as a screener. Once he gets in a more like specific system, and I haven't watched a ton of high school tape. Um, I've watched a ton of EYBL, though. He'll be better in that. Um, he needs more of an outside shot, pretty shot, good form, really high arcing. Great free throw shooter, but from the outside, he took like six threes in EYBL and made one. Hmm. If he's going to be a four, he's got to be able to do that. Um, and then it's how switchable is he on defense? Um, he he can guard at times, makes up for it by blocking shots when he gets beat, and I just don't think at the next level that's a recipe for success. Monty Hansberry, he's going to be really good, committed to Illinois right now. Brad Underwood does a great job of developing centers, especially that are good. Um, and, uh, and at the collegiate level, really excited to see where Monty's game goes. 
Um, and I'm going to do a little bit of a deep dive on him, post some clips on Twitter, hopefully this weekend. You know what it sounds like, Jake? Hmm. Sounds like he's got next. He's got next, Derek. <laughs> you talk about next. you talk about footwork. That's so big for those guys. Huge, like dude. you look at guys like tweeners like Darius Baisley. Mm. Not great footwork. Mm. Yeah. Chad Holmgren, immaculate footwork. That's sure. the difference in being a late first and the number two overall pick. And now lots of differences. <laughs> yeah. Lots of differences there. Sure. But footwork can be so, so pivotal for those those big guys, especially in order to learn, kind of like you talked about, that outside game, it, yeah. it's pivotal. Like, yeah. we've seen, again, not to harp on Darius Baisley, we've seen him try to evolve that for years now, and it hasn't worked. And it's because his footwork isn't great. He's not coordinated. There's a long list, but guys that coordinated, that young, that fluid, pretty high pretty high ceilings, pretty pretty bright futures. He'll be interesting because, like, I think of Bam and Julius Randle whenever I think of footwork for bigs. Mm-hmm. Both great footwork, both very different games. Bam's is to, you know, create for others, create on the block. Um, is a screener, really nice footwork. Defensively, really nice footwork. Julius Randle is a guy that you see it when he has the ball in his hands trying to create just immaculate footwork. It's huge, and it doesn't matter your role. It makes you a better player. Definitely. Uh, next segment, Draft Digest Show Mailbag. Hey. We are going to answer your toughest questions every single wednesday we're gonna post a twitter thread you can drop questions there or you can email draft digest show at gmail send us your questions we'll answer them here this week we got one again first episode we'll get better about that get better about that totally at listeners uh question from mav ball my heart tells me that okc wants to draft a three and d guy if not wimby scoot which doesn't look likely right now <laughs> say okc gets two top 15 picks do they take two three and D guys? If so, which ones? If not, what do they want? Three and D guys Let's go three and D first. in the top 15. Grady we, Dick. And Jed Howard. Jed Howard. Taylor Hendricks. Not prototypical three and D. Still shoots the D. Still still shoots the three, plays the D. Ooh. Pause. Maxwell Lewis. Maxwell Lewis. Very good. Not again, not prototypical three and D can do both of those things within the confines of an offense. If I see them taking a shot on any of those guys, it's going to be Grady Dick. I think I agree. Or Jet Howard. Those are my top two. For Jet? That position. I'm just not as high on Jet, personally. I think Grady Dick is better at a lot of things. I think mm. his ceiling is higher. Jet's been astounding. Blew my expectations out of the water. Still lean Grady Dick across the board. Okay. To answer the question, I don't think they take two Three no, and D guys. Not the same. I mean, Dick would be a phenomenal pick for them. I believe that he would be the second pick. He he's not going to be their first option off the board. I don't think in any capacity. So then, okay, I agree. I think they take a guy similar to that with one of the picks. What do they do with the other though? If they get to top fifteen, I think about this basically all the time. Again, being Thunder beat writer, they have so many options. I mean, you even talk about Keontae George. They drafted Trey Mann. Last year, Keontae fits that same mold. If they're not getting what they want in Trey Man, they could go him. Again, not saying that's the likely scenario. They could go Jarris Walker. Really bolster that front court. Get another deep, probably the best defensive-minded player in the draft. Also shooting 39% from three right now. They could go that direction. They could go get Azar, hmm. who's hyper-athletic. Would immediately be the best athlete on the team. On a team that really, really needs athleticism. You see Jalen Williams is here. He's almost already the best athlete on the team, and he's by no stretch some <laughs> crazy athlete. So 
He can also shoot it a little bit. He's played that off-ball role similar to what Shea and Josh Giddy need. There's just so many different directions they could go. Maverick mentioned it in the tweet. They could get a backup center. They could get someone to bolster the front court next to Chet, really play off his strengths. There's just so many directions they could go. I'd like to see him find a backup point guard. I think that'd be a fun spot. Um, Nimhard type guy that's going to come and control the game, make other guys better, um, especially with the hopefully you know, improvements in Jalen Williams in the next five years, Usman Jang in the next five years. There's, there's, and Chet, obviously, there's going to be guys there that are going to be able to go get you a bucket, have the ball in their hands. Um, a backup point guard would be interesting. I don't know who that is. Um, they have options there. Baba Miller's a guy that I think. Hey, tonight. He's probably playing right now. They're, First game. Uh, I think I think that's a guy that Presti would be interested in for that team. I don't necessarily see them getting the backup point guard with their top picks. No. Absolutely. A guy you can shoot on. 30. Yeah. Right, Similar to Nimhard. Where do you go? 32, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 100% could see that being the case. They've also got guys like Wiggins. He can, he can run a little bit. And for Oklahoma City fans, I, I think you agree with me on this. They're just well-rounding the team right now. They're not going to get anything that's going to be like crazy moving the needle, I don't think. I don't think they're adding anything to the core that's going to shake it up. I think they know what they are. They see a future, and they're building around what they see. This could, Much more complimentary. I agree with everything you said. This could be the first year we see their, their day one draftee not start, which totally. wouldn't have been said for Chet. Obviously, it was not set for Josh Giddy, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, next and second to last segment, NBA happenings. This mm. is where you and me get our fix on the NBA world. We're going from a primarily NBA podcast to just the NBA draft, but still, the NBA is what it's all about. So yeah. let's dive in a little bit. Cool. We'll, we'll do some quick hitters on NBA news this Good. week. Uh, who's going to finish in that bottom five, Jake? Man, I think Charlotte, bad, San bad, Antonio, bad, bad. Houston, and Detroit are the first four. Easily. Charlotte, absolutely. San Antonio. Houston, Houston, firstly, absolutely. They're so bad right now. Detroit without Cade. Definitely. 100%. What are the San other two? San Antonio. San Antonio. Those are the four. They I are. like it. San Antonio, in terms of talent, yes. I can never count out Pop. They could win some late games, maybe bust out of that top up. I'm not going to lock him in yet. Right. But I agree, talent-wise, probably not there. And then the fifth spot, it's probably going to be Orlando. Um, I think I think they're just next. I'm gonna go someone different. I think it's gonna be Washington. I don't think Washington has much direction. Their best players, Kyle Kuzma, right now, Porzingis, maybe. There's no one on their team that I'm like, yes, that's the future. But people say that every year, and every year they they're really bad this year. And Beal's not playing. He'll be back. Though. They're terrible. I think they're the fifth team in my spot. Um, and man, they've not drafted well recently. I disagree. I don't think it'll be Orlando, at least. I'll stick with those four. And who is it? I... Someone is going to be a surprise. Is it? Because I don't think it's Toronto. I know you like them as a lottery team. I don't think it's Toronto. I think Toronto could be one. Washington could absolutely be one. You're right there. Chicago could be one. Utah still. They could press explode. I mean, they've oh, got totally, a hefty lead. Totally. Is Indiana? I don't think they do. I don't think I don't see Indiana. They're really good. They're really good. Um, like on this list, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. They're ninth the best team in the NBA right now, according to record. Um, is Oklahoma City? 
I don't see Oklahoma City. Portland. Oklahoma City and Orlando are the two that I really see sticking with their guns near the end of the year. Because why not? Because why not? Yeah. Go win your games. Do whatever. Oh. Like, you're not going to sit guys like Powell. You're not going to sit guys like Shea just for the hell of it. It's not going to happen. Those two teams, I see winning games end of the year. Just getting a little above. Are they going to be in that 6 to 10 range? Absolutely. I don't see them bottom five. You might be right. It might be Washington. So we've got a four. I take Washington. You think there's a few that are kind of pining for that spot. Yep. Cool. What's yep. next? Um. Does the top three change in either conference? So Western, you got Denver at one, Memphis two, New Orleans three. I'm going to say the order changes. I don't think the top three change. I think it actually flips. I think New Orleans goes one, Memphis stays two, and Denver ends up three. Gotcha. For no rhyme or reason, I just think those are the three best. Do you think you think that changes? I don't know if Golden State's gonna Golden play State, enough games together. I think they're a little too far behind. Not that I don't think they're as talented as those three. I just think sure. they, they don't have. A what team. are they? Five hundred, twenty and twenty-one. So, okay, a little under. Phoenix, no. Phoenix, no. Only team I could really, really see giving them a run for their money is the Clippers. Yeah, but same story as Golden State almost. It, it is. Again, I've talked about this on Panhandles. I just trust those guys. Like, sure. not necessarily to like go win at all, but to get into the top three seeds. <laughs> They're good like, enough. Yeah. They can make a late push pretty easily. They're not that far behind right now. Not enough to scare mm-hmm. me. If it is going to mix up, which I don't think it will, I think it'll be the Clippers. Eastern Conference. Boston, Brooklyn, and um, Milwaukee. Yep, that is right. That is more likely to change, I think. I think Philadelphia can hop in there. Um, I think Cleveland, Cleveland can hop in there. But I think Boston's for sure top three, if not for sure top one. Boston will clinch top three. Brooklyn and Milwaukee, I think, obviously, they're there right now. They probably got the best odds to finish 2-3 in either order. Philly, I like next best. And I I, I don't know. I'll, I'll say Philly Gets top three. I think they make it over Milwaukee. This is tough, man. It's hard to count Cleveland out for me. They're just a, Dude, a buzzsaw. How dude. brutal is They're it younger be than all those teams. If you get a fifth seed in the freaking East, that blows. Even if you win, you're playing Boston next round. Oh, that oh. sucks. That's going to be a tough spot that absolutely no one wants to be in. I'd we're, rather be. We're just going to make it fun. Anything else. Brooklyn or Milwaukee? Who do you like better out of that to be two? Because I'm assuming it's one of them. It's really tough. We've talked about, I think Milwaukee is a little stagnant in their roster right now. I expect them to make a move, honestly. Yeah, But I don't know that that's going to move the needle this year. Like, chemistry-wise, fit-wise, probably not going to make them immediately the best team in the NBA. Brooklyn, on the flip side, I just don't trust as much. They've played really good basketball. They've got really good basketball players. KD's hurt. Kyrie is a, a mystery. That's a good point. Ben Simmons is, is a mystery. Ben Simmons missing today. Like, just you see that didn't tweet? exist today. Yeah. Um, okay. I trust Milwaukee a little more. If anything, Philly sneaks top three, Brooklyn drops out. That's fine, especially with KD out. I didn't think about that. Yep. You have one more question, right? One more one NBA more happening. Thing. Anyone in the six to ten range going mm. full on tank? We kind of talked about this a little. Kind of covered it. If you, if I gun to your head, you had to pick one team that you think is gonna the will do it, or that I would make do it. If no, I no, had no, no choice. That will, that will do it. Chicago. I agree. 
Yeah, I think it's Chicago. Dang it. Um, Toronto's just got a little bit more promise for the future. Like, if they stuck with it and played the next five years with their teams, Toronto's better than Chicago. The thing is, like, Toronto hasn't won games. You would have to trade so many players to lose games there. Like, like bottom five lose games. You'd have to trade Siakam, <laughs> Van Fleet, Ananobi. Like, you'd have to trade so many dudes. It makes no sense. Here's a question. Does Atlanta shut down Trey Young after All-Star break and say lose every game you can? Because they, they feel like Chicago where it's like, what direction are they going in? I don't think they I'm do. I'm not necessarily sure you have to shut down Trey Young. Well, <laughs> ship sure. off all his buddies and let him go to work. Oh, God. 38 points per game. They get that fifth pick. I don't see anyone in the West doing that. Because those teams are freaking Golden State, Phoenix. Like, they're not... Does Phoenix, if Booker can't come back? I don't think so. Not with the current <laughs> roster. Get rid of Aiton. Plausible. That's the only one in the West, I think. I think people are calling on Chris Paul. I'd almost guarantee there's been calls on Chris Paul. Oh, most definitely. If I was Denver, I'd be calling on Chris Paul. That's a really good point. Thank you. Um, so that was NBA happenings. Again, just me and Jake's fix to talk about the NBA, which we did for a long time. <laughs> no longer. Lastly, we keep things fun here. Obviously, not too serious. Jake, I've got a game for you. We keep it real and we keep it fun. Yes, we do both those things, but mainly fun. Uh, we play a lot of games here. We've played math ball. We've played hard. Would you rather basketball themed? Uh, would you rather Candy Candyland? Candyland. Shoots and ladders. Right. Um, I've got a game for you called three or D. Oh, play on the words three and D. I'm going to give you a player, a game, the score, and the date. Now, this player made the game-winning play. You have to tell me whether they hit the three or played the D Ooh. to win this ballgame. Are you ready? I'm ready. We are going to start you out easy. Steph Curry, May 1st, 2022. 117-116 win over John Morant and Memphis. Last year's playoffs. I'll go three. Steph actually played the D. He blocked John Morant in isolation to seal the game. I kind of remember that now. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I tricked you. It was not an easy one. It was a, it was a trick. See, I thought you were doing the double trick. No. It was an obvious trick. And then I went back to oh, the Oh, dang. Dude. Okay, next one. Okay. Kobe Bryant, mm -hmm. December 5th, 2009. 108 to 107 win over Dwayne Wade. Did he hit the three or did he play the D? He hit the three. He did hit the three point eight mm -hmm. seconds on the clock. Sideline out of bounds. Yep. Yep. Good That's memory. All. Mm -hmm. all right, last one. Yep. If you get this, you're crazy. Detlef Shrimp, February eleventh, nineteen ninety two. Pacers one hundred. Magic ninety eight. Can you first tell me which team he played for of the two? Who Magic and who Pacers? Yeah, Pacers. That is correct. It's like a third quarter score today. <laughs> three. This one comes with a caveat. It was not a three, but in game winning bucket. He did get the game winning bucket. Heck yeah, he I hit did. an unassisted 18 footer to finish Ooh, with 26 points. Assisted 18 footer for Detlef Shrimp. Dude, heck yeah. 26 points, 23 rebounds. Wow. Pacers legend. Heck yeah. Supersonics dude. legend. Bingo. How was that game? Was that fun? I like that game. That's a good one. That was a good game. Um, I think that's going to do it. That'll do. This is the Draft Digest show. You can follow all of our content, si.com slash draft. We post like four to five stories a day. We have like 
no BS, the most amazing team. Like we've got guys who religiously cover overseas prospect. We've got guys in like high school gyms watching guys coming up. We've got guys writing four times a day. It's legitimately unbelievable. If you're a draft junkie like me and Jake, it's great. Go read all of it. SI.com slash draft. Follow us on Twitter at draft digest show. Again, we post uh, prospect threads. We post questions for the week. Mm. You can email in those questions. Thanks for having us. We had a good time. Jake, you have a good time? Yeah. I had a great time. We appreciate you letting us be in your ears. Uh, handlers, if you're still with us, thank you so much. Shout out, dog. Shout out, Panhandlers. Again, if you want to go listen to all those Panhandles episodes, don't. you can. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why you would. Yeah. But you can. Yeah. No, it'll be good. It'll uh, be good. Go listen to our draft takes from last year. See how wrong we are and stop listening to this. Dude, they were pretty rough. But you want to know my, I think the literal first draft take I threw out on the pod. Can you guess? Is it's going to be something you're about to stroke your own ego? What is it? Jalen first one. All right, this is the Draft Digest Show. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye. Later.